And hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Dugout Chat with JT and Cola. I'm your host, JT Turan, editor of RisingApple.com. Uh, joining me is my co-editor and co-host, uh, Christina Cola. Christina, how are you today? I'm good. I uh, definitely want to give an, also another shout out to the Isotopes for letting uh, for them letting us use that awesome song, The Ballad of Ray Ordonez. Uh Definitely check out the Isotopes. They're great. You can find them on Spotify and iTunes, Apple Music, all those everywhere. They're everywhere. It's great. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited that it's finally spring and baseball's right around the corner. I can't wait. <laughs> I know it might be spring over there in LA because it's always really, really nice. But we're still <laughs> experiencing some cold. Actually, these these next couple of days we're gonna get a nice little break from the cold, which is nice. But February, you know, it's still we're. I think we're willing the warm weather into into New York, into the upper, uh, into the northeast of the United States, trying to trying to bring baseball closer, trying to bring spring, spring closer. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely exciting to be, um, you know, we're expecting some spring training games to get started very, very soon. The entire Mets squad has reported. So yeah, there's a really nice air of excitement going on. I was going to say, it's funny that you should mention the spring weather in New York because in LA, it's been pretty cold these past couple days. Oh, have we switched? Uh, well, I don't know so much about switched as though as we've kind of met in the middle because you were saying before, you were telling me it was like upper 50s, like low yeah, 60s. It's, like, it's, been, it's been upper 50s, low 60s during the day and it's supposed to stay like that until I think Thursday. Tomorrow is supposed to be another nice day. Um, people are just walking around in shorts and I, I was hanging out in a t-shirt after work today. So it's been, it's been really cool. So let me, let me give you the LA uh, other side of that coin because it's been 57 here today. And, and you guys I, are freezing. <laughs> well, I love it because this is as cold as it gets. Though I will say it got a little bit colder at night and uh, I definitely was not prepared for that uh, because I haven't been. Um, but people definitely have been walking around here in like straight up winter, like bubble jackets and scarves and knit hats. And I'm just like, it's not that cold. Um but yeah, that just it's funny because everyone's like, this is so cold. This is terrible. Like I it was really like it was a little chilly yesterday. It was probably around like 55. It was like windy. And I was like walking down Sunset Boulevard with no problem. But like everyone else was just like, no, no, let's go inside somewhere. Like I don't want to. I was like, this is like perfect weather. You don't even understand. It's just really funny how it works because I, I think the same thing happens to me in the fall when we're transitioning to winter and transitioning away from summer that it'll be 50 and all of a sudden I will I will be fully just freezing cold. Now granted I'm always cold, but it especially happens when you know the fall is around and I feel like that's the same thing that happens to me. And then I always think, hey, in January and February, if it's 50 degrees, you're literally going to be just crying of happiness because of how warm it is, because it's supposed to be a lot colder. So it's just, it's weird how the mind works and how we get used to a certain weather. And then even though it's really pleasant, it may, it might not feel like it because of what we're coming from. Yeah. No, it's so true. I don't know. People yeah, in LA, y'all need to just like fucking deal with it. It's not that bad. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. I mean, get over it. It's it's fine. You'll survive. Yeah. <laughs> but speaking of warm weather in Port St. Lucie, there's definitely a lot of warm weather right now. As I was saying before, the Mets have officially all reported pitches and catches reported. The players have, are also pretty much all there. I don't think anyone's missing. I could be wrong, but I don't think anyone's missing. Even as Drupal Cabrera showed up with his kid the other day. So Everybody, everybody is there and accounted for. Yohannes Cespedes has shown up. We still have yet to see him drive anything crazy, which I'm kind of surprised about. No horse, no um, three-wheeled, you know, souped-up car yet. But maybe no. that's still coming see, in the next I, couple of days. I definitely like this this new look on the Mets because remember last season, or maybe it was two seasons ago. They were doing all those uh, fancy like commercials and Cespedes was showing up with all his animals and his cars. 
Now, yeah, that was 2016. That was 2016, yeah, okay. if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Okay, exactly. So it's like all that flash of like, we're a World Series team. We can do whatever the fuck we want. Kind of like, I think it kind of got to their heads a little bit. And now we're and You know what's like- funny? The in, in 2017, before the 2017 season started, that's when I, I think it was ESPN that did – no, it was MLB that did that little dinner um, – Shot with Matt Harvey, Stephen Matz, and yes. um, Degrom, and Noah Syndergaard, and we all know how well that worked out for 2017. So, yeah, I hate <laughs> If anything, that was the uh, the curse of literally every single person in that table had the worst season of their career. Isn't it insane? Well, here's the thing: it's just like you're you. The Mets are always going to be the scrappy team, even when they're good, and it's like don't. We can't dress them up to be anything more than what they are. Let them be good in their own way. Let them be what they are. You can't dress up the Mets like, I mean, that's like such a fucking Yankees thing, I feel like, to do like a. Are you, um, do you do you consider yourself, uh, um, oh, what is it called? Jesus, I just had the the <laughs> thought popped out of my head. Superstitious. Oh, man, I couldn't oh, think of that for the life of me. I am superstitious with all my teams, especially with the Mets. But like to the point where if I'm watching a game and I'm wearing like a certain hat, I'll go and change the hat. Like, oh my god! Like it's so bad. It's and so how's that bad. worked out for you? It's, <laughs> it doesn't work usually. Or like I don't know. Like I've definitely I go through. I definitely go through. Like not. I won't change. It's usually just the hat. Like I won't change like a shirt or whatever. But I have two like mainstay. I have like the regular orange and blue, and I have like the old uh, Mister Met like Diamond era. Remember when those came out like a couple years yeah. back? Yeah, I have that one. So I'll just like switch them on and off based on so what I think. I am your I am the yin to your yang because I am the complete opposite. I I am the least superstitious person out there. Oh my god. I am I am the type of person that loves to be like he has a no hitter going and when it's like the seventh inning and everybody wants to just like pile on me. I did it during the Johan no hitter and nothing happened because of course there's no such thing as a fucking jinx. I don't believe in that. I never have and I never will. Um, and it, one of my favorite things in the world is hanging out with people who are ultra superstitious and just <laughs> fucking around with them to no end. And it's just – it's something that gives me a little bit of happiness. I don't know. Maybe it's just – you know, it's not a great thing on my end. But <clears throat> so, yeah, when it comes to when it comes to these things specifically, you know, tying it back to our earlier discussion, it's just so weird that like – Sometimes it just works out like that. Like you have, you know, the MLB, they, sh- they shot all four of these pitchers and literally every single one of them, even DeGrom, who was the only one that was healthy for the majority of the season. Yeah. Who had the best uh, stuff out of all the pitchers. Even, even he had the worst season of his career. So it's just, I don't know. It just works out that way, I guess, sometimes, yeah. but. Yeah, no, no superstitions from me. So I guess basically what I'm trying to say is if at some point in time during these games, a non-jinx tweet comes out, <laughs> it's probably Christina. If yeah. a jinxy type of tweet comes out, it's more than likely me. That's probably <laughs> what's going to happen. And if I jinx something, I'm sure I'm not going to hear the end of it at, at a point in time in the podcast. So we, we should, I, I think it would be funny if we were both running the – Rising Apple account during a game and just going back and forth between Jinx and not in Jinx. Twitter. I mean, that, that, you know, stuff like that used to happen last year with Michelle because the, you know, we would end up both of us just, you know, we would be busier. We would just both be out, but watching the game and we would end up tweeting very similar things and sometimes with complete opposite angles at the same exact time. It was so <laughs> weird. And we're just like, you know what? That's just what happens when you have two people simultaneously running, you know, uh, a sports account that likes to tweet during games and shit. Right. So more often than that, that's probably going to happen. Yeah. I was going to say most of the time we're pretty much on the same page. The The only was that the Astros Dodgers thing was really funny. I think during the World Series was. Oh, that was that was hilarious <laughs> because so it's like, funny. oh, if, if it's an Astros uh, favorited tweet, it's going to be me. And if, if it was one rooting for the Dodgers, it was obviously going to be Christina. So, but it's just funny yeah. seeing them like come back to back from each other. Like Dodgers do oh, something exactly, good, yeah. tweet. Oh yeah, Astros do something good, tweet. <laughs> like so funny, so funny. But anyways, we have a lot to talk about in this episode. Um, there's been a lot of a lot of things have happened with the Mets. I think in the last uh, two weeks since the last time we published a podcast. Um, 
probably the bigger news I think has to do with Jason Vargas, the signing that the Mets were able to uh, agree to terms with him on uh, two years. And I forget how much hmm, I'm totally blank and I should have probably looked at that. But um, with, with Jason Vargas now in the rotation, where do you see him sliding with, if, if all the Mets are healthy, we're, we're putting injury aside where do you see him fitting into this rotation? Uh, I say number five starter for sure. Okay. Um, he's uh, he's got like very like average numbers. He's a little bit older, um, but uh, yeah, I think yeah. I here's the thing. It's like I, I I like this signing a lot. I wouldn't have signed him for two years. I would have maybe signed him for one. But hey, that's not bad. You know, you never know. But um, yeah, two years, sixty million with a club option for twenty twenty. So there's right. a potential that he could be around for the next three seasons. Right. So I mean, I guess it just depends how he does. You know, he's not. Uh, he's a he's an average pitcher. He does get his wins. He was eighteen eleven with the Royals uh, last season. Um, but you know, his ERA where is it, where is it at here? His ERA was four point one six, and like that's okay. Um, but I think you know, I always I always take into consideration the fact that you're playing in the American League where you have the DH, you don't have right. you know the pitcher spot batting, and on top of that, you're, he probably had to face those Cleveland Indian teams a good amount of times. He had to face the Yankees, you know. Yeah, those are I'm- all very powerful. Um, and, and so I don't know. I'm thinking anytime a pitcher comes from the American League to the National League, I expect him to do better than what his current or his last season numbers were. Right. And that being, that's why I'm not like super down on it. Like, that's why I think this is an actually a very good signing because like 4.16 is like, you know, pretty average, decent, but like he still managed to get like 18 wins. And I know sometimes wins and losses don't really mean anything, but like sometimes, sometimes, (laughs) right, (laughs) right, exactly. But you know, it's, it's comforting to see. And then what I think is most important here is that he went 179 innings. So Mm -hmm. That is something the Mets desperately need. And I definitely mentioned that in um, the, the the article I wrote about this because, you know, I mean, the, we've been talking about this at, at nauseum now with the fact that, like, these pitchers can't seem to keep themselves healthy enough to stay on the field. And Vargas, at least, is that um, consistent presence that you know he'll be able to, like, give you the innings over the course of a season. So that, I think, is very comforting uh for the Mets to to have that way we won't have to see Tommy Malone or Tyler Pill or whoever the else came out of the woodwork last year <laughs> it's gonna be funny to look back on this podcast in October and be like well we did see Tommy Malone and we did see Tyler Pill <laughs> quite a lot JT uh-huh. no don't even put that out there <laughs> again no jinx I don't care I don't believe no. in that shit <laughs> it just doesn't work <laughs> but um but yeah no I definitely agree with you on pretty much everything you said um I, wins are wins are a no stat for me. the The idea that I like is the fact that when he was out there, the team was able to put runs up for him. So again, if you follow that jinx type, that idea that for some reason certain pitchers just don't get any run support, and that it has something to do with you know I don't even know what it could do with, but um, some people just feel like some pitchers do and some pitchers don't, and it's more than coincidence. He's the type of guy that you know, gets, gets some run support. So hopefully the Mets can continue that trend for him and get him um, some wins, which obviously I don't care about a pitcher's wins. I care about the team's wins. How, how does the team do when he's out there? So hopefully that's, um, that's a positive. So, and I think for the most part, we took a poll um, earlier about that specific, um, about the specific signing and, by by large by a large amount, most Met fans were happy with the with the signing. I, I think a lot of people were. Would we have preferred a guy like, for example, uh, Lance Lynn? Uh, definitely. You know, you have you have more. I think more experience and a little bit more uh, assurance of what you're going to get from one of those top or tier guys. Um, if you're not going to go after Jake Arrieta or you Darvish like the Mets haven't done. Um, but yeah, I think this is, you know, it, it helps out the, the back of the rotation. Um, we pulled, let's see, it was 61% of Met fans liked it. 32% were indifferent. They were like, eh, whatever. And 7% disliked yeah. it. So for the most part, I think, you know, Met fans are happy with 
with the signing. It's not a, it's not going to be a flashy name. I don't think it automatically makes them a World Series contender, but I think it makes them better than they were last year. And that's ultimately what we wanted. Um, we're happy, but it didn't seem like Zach Wheeler was happy. Um, I don't know if you get a chance to see that, uh, Christina. They were asking him about about the Jason Vargas signing. He was pretty quick with his answers. He was just not really in the mood to really go into any potential moves to the bullpen or anything like that when he was asked about it. Um, what do you think the Mets should do with Zach Wheeler? I mean, here's the thing. First of all, that was a poor response to have to, to the signing. Like you know what you've been, you know what you've done these past couple of seasons, you know, your condition like you know you've been he was just telling us like a couple weeks ago he like takes some kind of medication for his brittle bones like do you think that's comforting for a front office to hear because i don't i don't want to know my one of my pitchers has brittle bones like uh you know so like he has to (laughs) it's true like he has to understand that like this team needs to do you know if as a team player you should want always what's best to help the team. So I don't like it when players get like all, I, I understand it. They could definitely feel a certain type of way about it. It's, it's, it wouldn't be, uh, it would be like, it, it's like inhuman to not feel a certain way about feeling like you've been replaced. But at the same time, it's like, okay, well now like go out there, either compete for your job or, you know, like it, make some moves, move to the bullpen or something to help the team. Like, I just don't like that attitude. So I really don't have any sympathy for him at this point. Um, I think that, yeah, I think he was just handled really poorly. And like, you, you know, what have you done for us these past couple of years that you have, I could understand if he was like putting up like some fantastic numbers, like, but you know, struggled a little bit, but like, and maybe went to the DL like once or twice, but like it, but the, you know, the product was there, the results were there, but that's not the case with him. He's constantly hurt. And like, like I said, the whole brittle bones thing, I was just like, what, what, what is that? No. Yeah. For me, it also has to do with the fact that Zach Wheeler really hasn't earned that ability to really talk. If it was a guy, for example, like Matt Harvey, if it was a guy like uh, even Steven Matz, I would say, two guys that were instrumental in 2015 in the playoffs, in the World Series too. I think you have a better argument. Uh, give him another chance. Harvey has earned that. Uh, even Steven Matz has done that. Zach Wheeler, unfortunately, just has not been able to stay healthy and on top of that, perform enough to be able to really have any say as to what he's going to what he's going to do every pitcher wants to be a starting pitcher i think um but if it doesn't end up working out you at some point you have to think about what's better for your career and what's better for the for the team as well and i think putting him in the bullpen would be a huge huge improvement huge help for the mets in the bullpen the guy can still throw hard it's just unfortunately he gets hit sometimes in the second and third round through so having him out there for one inning where he can just throw gas, I think would really, really help him. Now, granted, we shouldn't be talking about uh, specifics in terms of what's going to happen because Mickey Calloway has been very, very open and direct with the fact that nothing has been decided yet. Uh, Jason Vargas is obviously believed to be a starter because the Mets signed him to do that. But there's a chance that if everybody pitches really well, Jason Vargas could also be sent to the bullpen and help out Jerry Blevins as the uh, as another lefty out there as a long man reliever too. It would be an expensive long man reliever, but if everybody performs out of this world, their potential is better than whatever Jason Vargas can give you. So can uh, can give you. So it's not really it's it's a tough argument and a tough debate to have at this point because we just really don't know what anybody has to say. And I think Zach Wheeler demonstrated in that interview that he's kind of already. He's kind of given up a little bit already. And that was a little bit disappointing for me. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's that attitude that's just like, well, great. Like, it, well, you're not even going to try, man. Like, you, you, there's still a ton of spring training to go. If you don't have confidence. They haven't even started games yet. Yeah, exactly. So, like, it's it was just ridiculous. I don't know. I Wheeler is almost, like, non-existent in my mind when I think about the rotation, honestly, in general. Like, it's just been that way just because he hasn't been, you know, healthy enough, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. And again, we'll see what happens when the when the chips fall. Like they say, let the chips fall where they may. Wheeler could very well be in the rotation. There's yeah. a great chance that Steven Matz may still not be healthy and may have some issues at some point. There's a good chance that Matt Harvey could just get smacked around so bad that it's that he's not even worth, you know, 
trying out in in the back end of the rotation. There's so much still left to play that it's just it's it was a weird reaction from him this early on for yeah. all those reasons. So it's just uh, whatever. But speaking of camp too, the Mets have decided to bring in Tim Tebow. He's going to be at Major League Camp. Um, we know that it's the first time that he's been invited since he signed uh, in late 2016. Um, are you excited about seeing Tim Tebow? Tim Tim Tebow. I can't even pronounce his last name correctly. Uh, Tim Tebow. I am not excited about Tim Tebow. I was never excited about Tim Tebow. I don't. Uh, I don't think he's good, <laughs> and I think that's a fair thing to say. He's just definitely getting all this shit because he's Tim Tebow. Like you know, real popular with like football fans and I guess Middle America probably. But like honestly, like his numbers don't say anything. Don't show me someone who deserves to be invited to camp. You have. A, th- a point three. Uh, you have a three oh seven on base percentage, and like that is just that's terrible. In single like, A, in single A, right? And so like it, it's just his slugging's three fifty six. His average is two thirty one. Like it's just it's too much. Like I there you you can't tell me there's not someone. I bet you there's someone on that Mets single A team that is far more deserving. But instead we get baseball Jesus up in. Uh, <laughs> camp this year so i don't know i <laughs> and the thing is, i'm gonna be seeing him this year it's funny my girlfriend lives out in binghamton in that area so he, tim tebow's slated to for the time being he's slated to start in double a originally oh, the report was that sandy allison was going to be evaluating tim tebow and they were going to see whether or not he deserved that promotion from st lucy from high a ball but now apparently the mets are in the in the camp of no we're going to start him in binghamton in double a and hopefully he can progress. And that's all setting him up for if the Mets are out of contention in September, do not be shocked. And I said this in my article too. If Tim Tebow is one of the one of the guys that gets called up. Now that's when you start to have the difference between, okay, cool, we're doing this because it's cute and it's fun and it, it will get people, you know, excited, maybe sell a few more hundred tickets, sell more merchandise, whatever it is. But if you have to make space for Tim Tebow in your 40-man roster in order to get him up to the major leagues, whoa. Like, that's that's a big deal. Right. Like, I, I would have to pull up all of, like, who did he play for last year? Was it Columbia? The Fireflies, right? Yeah. Started with Columbia, yeah. the low A, I, and then he got I, promoted. I bet you – the only reason that I would ever consider inviting him to camp is if he led the team in any kind of statistical category. Well, not any kind, at least on base and slugging, you know, uh, in Columbia. Wait, what? Led the team in nothing. He led the team in nothing. Exactly. So if the guy that led the team in on base and slugging is not getting invited to training camp and you're inviting this guy, there's a big problem here. Your priorities are wildly out of whack. I don't care about the entertainment value Make your team good with good players, and there's your entertainment value. Don't fucking do, do this whole fucking Tim Tebow show. I have so many strong feelings about this. So if he happens to actually perform well in Double A, does that change your mind? Uh, it would have to be a lot, like a lot. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. It ha- he has to. In my mind, he's got to work twice as hard as everybody else because it feels like people are just giving things to him, and that's not the way it should work. You know? How do you think those other players? in double and single a feel like they're breaking their backs but like tim tebow's gonna get an invite no matter what how would you feel like i would be like fuck this guy yeah i don't uh, that's a good point i can't even can't even argue i it's funny just automatically wanting to take uh the devil's advocate side of it because (laughs) again like baseball is an entertainment business and if they can if they feel if the Mets feel like they can squeeze money out of this Tim Tebow thing they're going to do everything in their power to do so I, th- I want to say it was Anthony DeComo um yeah that tweeted out the fact that at the team store in Port St. Lucie right towards the front they had an Ahmed Rosario jersey they had I think it was a Michael Conforto jersey and then they had Tim Tebow's jersey but they had two different Tim Tebow ones and he was the only player that got two Tim Tebow two two different jerseys for sale and that again it's indicative of the area because Tim Tebow in Florida is a god because he played for the Gators right. um so it, it makes sense now 
it's going to be really, really interesting, again, to see how the fans react to him in Binghamton. You're in New York. You're in double A. So now you're all of a sudden, you know, in, in, a, in a better system, in a better league. And you're in a community where people really like their baseball. Binghamton has had baseball there for decades. And they take it very, very seriously. The Rumble Ponies are, you know, it's their second year. I've been to games there and it's there's so much fun. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see the reaction that Tim Tebow gets playing in Binghamton. Like he, he's not, you know, yeah. he, he's a baseball player. So he's going to, you're right. He's going to have to work twice as hard to make it happen. And if, if he gets called up, I don't know, like that would be kind of crazy. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I don't know. I'll keep an eye on Binghamton, Binghamton for sure this year, just because I want to see like who is putting up the numbers, uh, and first of all, is he, he's definitely, I mean, he better not be listed in the Mets, like top uh, 30, 15 or 30 prospects. Cause if he is, that is absolutely fucking wild. And if he's not, which I bet you he isn't, there's absolutely no reason he should be invited to camp. Like, I don't understand like what, what is so difficult. It's just the gimmick. That's what it is. And it's, it sucks. Cause it's like, ugh, that I don't know. I don't like it. <laughs> Oh, man. Speaking of Florida and things that suck, the Mets decided to have a fun little uh, excursion uh, this past week. They decided to go shark fishing with, I guess it was some big shark hunter guy. And the president of the United States' son, Donald Trump Jr., happened to be in the area. And Philip Evans, who is one of the Mets' prospects, he plays outfield, I want to say, right? Or maybe he's he's the first baseman. I think second base, actually. Second base, yeah. Yeah. My bad. He decided to post a picture on his Instagram story where it was um, Mickey Calloway, Matt Harvey, uh, Donald Trump Jr., and I think the shark fisher, I forget what his name is. Sorry if you're listening to this, buddy. I'm sure you are. Um, (laughs) on, On Instagram and Mets' Twitter fucking exploded just it was the war it was it was to a degree that the Mets were forced to put out a statement basically saying hey we didn't invite (laughs) Donald Trump Jr. to this excursion with us it was a team building exercise oh Ploiecki was there too I don't want to fucking forget that Ploiecki was there too um and basically you know he just happened to be around and we took a picture and you know that was that was it he wasn't invited how how are you feeling about this? Because <laughs> I know you have a lot to say. <laughs> I think, for, I mean, I don't think it's any secret if you follow my Twitter account, my personal account, not the Rising Apple. This is my personal views, to be clear. I don't like any of those fuck boys. <laughs> like, I don't like, I, I clearly don't like the president, and I definitely don't like his fucking weird looking spawn. Uh, but. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm a woman. I'm a gay woman. Like, it, clearly, our political view. It, but see, this is what is what's so fucked about this whole situation. Not to get too political, as the right wing likes to say when people have like me have things to say. But uh, you know, it's I I understand that in general, baseball players err on the right and on the more conservative side. I've known this since I was since I started following baseball. That has never bothered me before. It's never been an issue for me. Like, I don't care. Like you're, you feel a way I feel a way, whatever. I'm here to watch baseball. doesn't matter, you know? Um, but it's a little different with this situation because we know that the president is a horrible fucking monster. So like, it's different where in the sense that it's like, you're not just like a conservative. If you're siding with this guy, you're kind of like, it, this this it's because it's on this whole other level than other like uh you know other conservative presidents beforehand that it's it, for me is what like caused like a gut or gut reaction of like wow I'm not surprised that Matt Harvey's like bros with him but at the same time it's still upsetting because like I don't well, I didn't want to know that it's kind of like when Daniel Murphy uh you know came out and openly was just like yeah I'm homophobic. Like that was very upsetting to me because Daniel Murphy was one of my favorite baseball players. I had his jersey. I had like the I'm with 28 like signed from like the one of the days that I went to the stadium and everyone was holding it up because he was going to the all-star game. It was very, you know, it was just very upsetting to me that to find that out. And I remember I threw all that shit away. I threw I got rid of his jersey like right away. I was very so like I I don't 
I just, I hated seeing it. I hate, I assume like, I don't know what the general Mets Twitter reaction was. I assume, you know, it's pretty split. Some, I, I, I'm, I have no doubt that there are some people that are like supporters of Trump and all that. And that's whatever, that's your thing. I'm not going to like, whatever, you know, do, do whatever you feel is whatever, but you know, it's just, I, I for the Mets to release a statement like that kind of tells me that they don't even really want to be associated with it. So that should tell you something alone, you know? Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm with you 100%. Um, I feel like it's different. If, for example, this was, we were in Atlanta. Actually, Atlanta's a pretty big, you know, uh, liberal city too, but Georgia more being the state, or if it was uh, um, a team in Texas or St. Louis or something that maybe you have a, a large majority of the fan base is more of a conservative mindset. I don't think it would be as much of a of an issue as it was, which the Mets, I think, really recognize. And I think you hit it right on the head. I mean, there are... I personally, I'm friends with a lot of conservatives. I know a lot of conservatives that aren't, you know, homophobic, that aren't, you know, just garbage people. We just happen to have differences in, sure. in you know, in different in different policy aspects, right? Yeah. And everybody is able to have a, you know, decent conversation. We're able to disagree like human beings. But it gets to a point that, you know, conservatives themselves even just can't stand these guys. So right. it really isn't a whole right versus left thing. It's almost, uh, I, I love the way that Brian Mangan from a, uh, uh, good fundies put it out. He's like, it's it. I I expect the players that I'm rooting for to be able to have some type of moral compass, right? And exactly. that's what it really boils down to. So it was it was definitely disappointing to see. I think there are different extremes to both um, both reactions. I've I saw this guy. I I don't know where he's from, uh, but I saw him all over my Twitter timeline. Tom Watson. He identifies himself as a Mets fan. I had never heard of this guy before. I think he might be a reporter. I don't know. I don't think so. A writer, something. Okay. He was basically the minute he saw it, he was calling for Mickey Calloway to be fired and All for right. the Mets that's, to DFA Matt Harvey. Okay. Yeah. No. And that's just something that really just doesn't make sense. I mean, again, I'm not a fan of that. I'm, right. I would probably, if if I happen to, I don't know, run into Donald Trump Jr. at the store or something like that. Um, the last thing I would want to do is take a picture with the guy right. or, you know, even talk to him or associate with him or socialize with him in any way, shape or form. But, you know, there are chances that you can just run into people. But and that's what the Mets statement said. Hey, we they were just in the same place at the same time. You know, we didn't you know, the the Mets views are not aligned with anything like that. They, they were very it was a very PR uh, centric type of statement. Right. Which so I whatever. Think I, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. No. That I uh, totally agree. Like I said, it's definitely like that is. I agree. That is one hundred percent extreme. I definitely don't think Mickey Calloway should be fired. I don't think Harvey should. No. That's that's wild and extreme. It's just it. Like I said, it was just very disheartening and disappointing because, like you said, like there are conservatives where I'm just like, yeah, we don't agree on our views, but like like you said, even they're looking at the situation like, oh no no no, we don't want anything to do with that, you know, that family, that situation, you know, like, correct. So that's where like, I, cause like, I know, like, you know, like I said, like, I know that most are very right aligned and that's whatever that's going to be their, those are their views. I can't change that. I like baseball. I'm going to watch baseball. That's it. You know, but yeah, there's, I think there's a difference between, you know, like wanting, something an extreme reaction like that. And then there's also on the other side where people are like, well, why does it matter? Why does it matter? Like, you know, the seven line, unfortunately, had this terrible, terrible op ed oh, written by yeah. one of a, a guy who I, you know, genuinely like. He's a really cool guy, Darren Meenan, the the founder of the seven line, where he yeah. was just basically like, you can't basically complaining at the fact that Mets fans were upset. And I'm like, you. so you, you can't have it both ways. You can't yeah. say, hey, we have freedom of speech to be able to exercise and hang out with and be with whoever it is that we want, take pictures with whoever we want on a beach, shark fishing, hunting, whatever you want to call it. And in the same token say, no, you also shouldn't get mad because this is bringing politics into baseball. No, right. you're inserting politics into baseball by, by talking to them. And yes. it's just – it's one of those things that you can't have it both ways. I firmly am okay with their right to hang out with, to vote for, to donate and do whatever the fuck they want with whoever they want. 
Like right. that's their problem. Right. But I also have the right to be able to be upset 100. about what is going to happen. Does this, for example, does this influence the, well, is this, for example, going to influence somebody from buying a Harvey jersey, for example? They have 100% their right to, if they were considering buying a Matt Harvey shirt and they see that picture, all of a sudden, guess what? I don't want a Matt Harvey shirt anymore. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's. And that's an unfortunate consequence of whatever it is that you, you know, you decide to do with, with your, with your life, you know? So it's just, it, again, it's one of those things. Noah Syndergaard has talked about it. He was very public on Twitter. Um, a few, I think it was a few months ago when there was something about when it was during the hurricanes and he was talking about climate change okay. and, you know, he used the hashtag Texas Republican. Um, so it's just, you're going to always have politics in, in the baseball, in, in sports in general. We're going to agree with some. We're going to disagree with some. I'm allowed to be upset when the guys that I'm rooting for are socializing with something that's garbage. And you're allowed to be upset if you think that makes you upset too. Right, so, exactly. We're not telling you. You can, you can hate uh, you know, all the stuff that we're saying you right can now. Hate we don't exactly. care. That's yeah, exactly like, right. That's, you have every right to be upset. Uh, it's just – you know, don't take away anyone else's right to be upset about things. Like everyone has every just, and like you said, for every person that's probably not going to buy a Matt Harvey jersey anymore, myself included. Um, you know, there will be plenty of people who do buy it because of the same reason. So yeah, you know, it's it's I just you can't take away people's the way pe- you you're not going to be able to stop people from feeling a certain way about things and vo- voicing how they feel about a certain thing. Um, the- the other, just to like put a nice little bow to wrap this up, this conversation up. Uh, last year in one of the games, I saw probably like the funniest two things happen in back to back. It was almost like in a 10 minute span. I saw a guy with a customized Mets jersey that said Trump 45. Uh, thank God. And I was like, okay, like I'm sure your last name's not Trump. Yeah. So you're not, <laughs> you're not wearing it for your last name. But in the same exact, like again, the same span of 10 minutes, I saw a guy there with a custom shirt and it said impeach 45 <laughs> and it just put everything in such perspective because I was just like, and that's kind of what New York really is about. We're such a huge melting pot of all types of different, you know, mentalities and people and cultures and all that stuff that you're going to end up having. If you don't think it would have had a, a negative reaction, a guy like Philip Evans wouldn't have deleted the post and, and the Mets wouldn't have had to issue a state. Right. And they did. So nobody forced them to do it. They realized that they had to. So look, here's here's my here's my my final end cap on this. Regardless of who you vote for, who you whatever your politics are, just be nice to each other. Like it's so easy. Just be nice. Who cares if the other person is different from you in any kind of way? Like you're all here to watch a baseball game. Y'all like baseball. That's all that should matter. Be just be nice to each other. There's no reason for to be rude. You're we're all Mets fans. Everybody should love each other. There you That's go. I mean, it. we all hate the Nationals. That's all we yeah, need. Yeah, we to all know. hate That's the Nationals. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's my thing. Moving on to a much I think more positive um, <laughs> topic. Michael Conforto is actually swinging a baseball bat. Hooray. He is. Yay. I feel like we need a little pause break for like music here. Like maybe I'll do this in, in post edit just like a little like a little celebration oh music or something because it's, it's so exciting to have Michael Conforto I, be swinging up. I like that you're getting fancy with this. It's exciting. I mean, I'm trying. I got. I got to yeah. make. Uh, I got to make our podcast stand out. We got. We got a lot of worthy competitors out there. So, but yeah, I know, right? Michael Conforto is swinging a baseball bat. Um, he swung off a tee. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming he hit a baseball off a tee. He didn't just hit the tee. That'd be stupid. Um, God, I hope he hit the baseball. Because <laughs> you can you imagine he just completely misses and it's just what happened to his swing? No, and obviously this is there's still a long ways to go before we can really get excited about Conforto coming out. But this is a pretty huge step, I think. Oh yeah, I, I got May first circled on my calendar already. Like I'm ready. Like. <laughs> We also uh, did – we put another poll out <laughs> asking Met fans when they thought – because I like to do these polls just to see what how Mets fans are doing. 68% of them believe Michael Conforto will come back after May 1st. 68%. <laughs> Nobody believes the Mets. Now, the Mets said that technically he's ahead of schedule, but that they still want to keep the May 1st deadline as just a way of being able to keep track. When do you think Conforto comes back? 
I think, I mean, if he's already, I'm not a doctor, but (laughs) (laughs) I I don't, I don't know like the extent of healing from this injury, but I'd like to say, I'd say May 1st. I think the Mets, here's what I honestly think. I think they, they think it's going to be sooner, but they are so afraid of Mets fans to say that it's going to be sooner. So they're just like, yeah, yeah, let's just say May 1st um, because that would be. And that's pretty smart. Yeah, I was gonna say that would be the smart thing to do because we all know how antsy we get as Mets fans that like if they were to the the smart thing to do would be give the later date. Don't give when you actually think he'll be ready by. You right. know, if and he comes back, if he comes back mid April, everybody's gonna be like, "Holy shit, this would have never happened to Ray Ramirez. He'd be dead right now." Right. Um, but and we would all be excited. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but it's exciting. I'm, I'm excited for Conforto. He's definitely been one of my, I I said this a dozen times already, but he's like my new David Wright-esque type player on this team, hopefully, uh, healthier than Wright's career turned out. But I think he could be like a franchise player for us. And I'm really excited about that. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you there. He's somebody that the Mets are needing to build around and he, he's going to be here for a long time. And hopefully he, he doesn't have any more issues. The doctor said 99% certainty that he won't you know re-dislocate the shoulder again um and of course we're all clinging that to uh, onto that one percent that's going to drive us crazy for the rest of eternity <laughs> every single time he like he stretches his shoulder out in the dugout or something we're going to automatically think the worst so and i mean I, here's the thing oh so as a kid i dislocated both my shoulders before i turned two and how oh man italians don't know how to pick up their children let me tell you they oh do. my god my aunt just like picked me up one day my mom was like yeah your shoulder just like popped out uh and then i forgot how it happened the second time i think it was like i did something weird like as a child and like it just but anyway both shoulders were put back in place so that happened before i was two and now i've never had like i always worry about it like when i work out and stuff like oh my god my shoulder my shoulder but honestly like Never had another shoulder injury after that. And I played softball, basketball, like no issues. So hmm. all right. Cool. Let let's hope let's hope the same thing happens. Yeah, exactly. And for some reason, if the Mets do have any problems with outfield death, the latest candidate to play outfield for the Amazons is none other than Wilmer Flores. So yeah, Wilmer Flores, the arguably slowest person. <laughs> player on this roster is going to be getting reps in the outfield this spring. Um, the Mets really want his bat in the lineup. They want to give him a little bit more versatility. He's not going to be playing center, but he is going to be playing the corner positions. And I'm terrified for what could happen. <laughs> yeah, well, Lord knows he cannot play center. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't like that. <laughs> I love Wilmer Flores so much that I would like I would obviously love to see him on the field and in the lineup more, but like at the same time, it's just like, let's just not like create positions for people that like they're not capable of really doing. I don't know. Maybe he'll do it like in some of these spring training games and it'll be totally fine. But like, I don't know. I don't feel good about that. We got, we got outfield depth, but let's not, let's not like looking for extra pieces where they need not be. Um, Yeah, and it's not like Flores has ever really played this position too. And that's one of the things that I think concerns me. When they were asking him about it, he said that he doesn't even remember the last time he's played the outfield. So that's not exactly a great sign. It's not like Jay Bruce who actually played first base a little bit. And, you know, he was able to understand and remember certain things. But Flores is actually having a good attitude about it. He's talking about the fact that he himself did learn first base. So he should be able to also learn how it works in the outfield. Um it automatically reminded me of the times when Lucas Duda and Daniel Murphy both came up and started playing in the outfield with the Mets before being moved back to the infield full time. So those experiments didn't really work. I'm really hoping that with the fact that you're going to have a veteran like Adrian Gonzalez, you're going to have his Drupal Cabrera needing days off that Wilmer Flores finds enough at bats in other areas to not necessarily need him to be playing in the outfield. Right. Yeah. Yeah, let's. And he's not. He's not like he's going to be a good defensive substitution late in the game. You know, like that's just not something that's no. going to happen. I mean, if anything, like you, you know who you want in your outfield. You want like Lagaris or Cespedes or Conforto, Nimo. Like I, those are the only people I really want to see in the outfield. Yeah, I mean, ideally, you want yeah for for late late defense, definitely. Ideally, the when Conforto comes back, you're going to have Cespedes in left, Conforto in, in center, and Bruce in right. And actually, one of our newest contributors, Sam, 
she wrote about the um, the fact that the Mets could really have a hugely powerful uh, outfield this season if everybody stays healthy. Oh, yeah. That's something that I hadn't really thought about, the fact that these three guys, if they're all healthy and all clicking at the same time, that is that is an insane middle of the order to have to get through if they're all hot. You know, I, I'm, I'm that just made me really, really excited actually for, yeah. for the season. Oh yeah, I loved that article. I loved, uh, I, yeah, I love the the yeah the idea of that is just is fantastic. Like it just it reminds me almost honestly of like kind of the outfield that the Marlins had going this past couple of years before they had a big fire sale, you know, like, yeah, that's a lot of power. Like I would, that's only going to help the Mets uh, going forward. Reasonable to expect. Is it reasonable to expect a hundred home runs from the three of them? Ooh, that would be so much fun. I would love that. Yeah. I think that's a fair expectation. Uh, hundred home runs yeah, from the three of them. I think, you know, you can get 30, 30 at least from, you know, from all three of them. Maybe Cespedes gets 35, 36. He could even hit 40 if he's healthy. I think a lot of Conforto, people forget. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say Conforto had what? 27, yeah, 29. Before? Yep. That's that's pretty great, and that he went out like, and there was still like a, two months of the season left to go. Yeah, there, so, like, there was a little bit. Yeah, there was there were five weeks left because it was May twenty. Uh, I'm sorry, August twenty fourth when when Conforto was oh. injured. So you still had the last week in uh, in August and all of September. He could have easily hit thirty, maybe even thirty three, thirty four if he got hot yeah, like he exactly. like he did early on. So yeah, I don't think it's unreasonable to say you know hundred home runs from those three guys combined. I think a lot of people forget that Cespedes has actually had a really good year when he was healthy. He only played in 80, 81 games. So he played half a season, but in, those, in that half a season, he had 17 home runs. So oh, yeah. if you were to, if you were to, you know, give him 140, 150 games, he hits 30 home runs easy. He's batting 300. He was, he was, he batted, I think 298 over those 81 games. He, so he was still Cespedes. It's not like his talent was gone. He was just hurt, unfortunately, and we all right. got used to seeing him hurt. But when he was healthy, he was still the Cespedes of old. So well, that's exactly I, yeah. That was exactly the point I was making with the one of the, the articles that I wrote, which is that he actually improved a little bit uh, from last season. Yes. Uh, which was and yeah, it was easy to forget because he did only play eighty one games and he wasn't healthy the whole time. But like. Yeah, his his average was up. His uh, his slugging percentage was up by ten points. Um, his on base percentage only dipped by like two points, but still, it was all pretty consistent. And yeah, he hit seventeen home runs. So like for eighty one games, that's pretty good considering he did about the same in average on base and slugging in one hundred and thirty two games in twenty sixteen. So he's definitely on like he's trending upward. Uh, so that should make Mets fans feel very good. Also, in the fact that he's not squatting nine hundred pounds anymore. He's actually been doing yoga. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, I did. Uh, that was so awesome. Which I think is great. I think athletes should definitely do yoga. That That is like number one way to get your body like flexible and, and in shape and not have to worry about like his hamstring injuries for sure. So yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, it's it increases flexibility. He's going to be running a lot, both in the outfield and on base. So it's, it's I don't know, it's, it's fantastic. Hopefully he's drinking water and staying hydrated as always um that'll be that'll be it's it's funny that we have to even fucking say this like like i hope he's drinking water cespedes i hope i hope you were your wheaties take your vitamins i packed you a very healthy lunch (laughs) don't get into any fights (laughs) please 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 stay healthy we really need you i think he'll be probably the biggest catalyst for this mets offense this year and rightfully so so it's um I don't know. It's exciting. Uh, do you want to get to some reader questions? Yeah, let's do it. So we asked you guys if you guys had any any questions. Our first one comes from City Cynic. He says, is there any way Wilmer Flores can actually play an outfield position well and realistically dive for hard hit balls? No. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it. Uh, he could prove me wrong. I don't know. Actually, you know what? That's I shouldn't be so cynical because – he do you remember he made a couple pretty decent diving stops at first? Yeah, yeah, it's true. He has. So he, maybe. He, he for some reason decides to, you know, his first move decides to be to the wrong side sometimes at third base. That happened, I think, twice during the season where it was like a ground ball hit to his right side, and his first movement was to the left for some reason. It's still I still don't understand why he ever did that, but um, <laughs> I think a lot of us forget how young Flores is. He's 26 years oh, yeah. old. 
since he's been in the majors for what seems like a ton of years, I think in reality he's only been here since he was 19 playing up here. It feels like Wilmer Flores should be older than he really is, but he really hasn't even really hit his prime. So right. he's again, he's not a fast guy, but if he's able to learn how to you know, look at the path of the ball and read the ball off the bat well, I think he can be serviceable. I don't think <clears throat> it's experience goes a long way in playing the outfield, so that's obviously not something that he has, but I think he can be serviceful if he if he needs to and hopefully again, Hopefully, if we see Wilmer Flores out there in left or right field, something terrible has happened, and or and or the Mets have clinched the NL East already in mid-August, and these games are meaningless, and we don't have to worry about anything. Oh, that is so, that is a dream. I'm going to put that out there in the world. Just put that out there in the world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I I hope that just doesn't happen. I hope they're just doing it to increase his versatility in case it's needed. And again, that's what spring training is for. You try out different shit and see if anything is good maybe he ends up being great and we don't have to worry about it i don't i don't know but again hopefully that's just not the case we don't even have to worry about it um another one this one comes from osmar padilla he says fan bias aside do you think this mets team has a realistic shot at a playoff run this season um i i think so at least the wild card like why not uh you know this i definitely feel a lot better about this lineup now that you know, Frazier and Bruce are in it. That's some decent power that seems like the rotate. I mean, once again, it's that rotation. That's going to be the big question mark. Like if they don't have that, like then no, but I don't see why they couldn't be competitive this year at all. Yeah. Yeah. I think we have to, whenever I get these like prediction questions and stuff like that, and we'll be putting out our own preview and prediction articles in a couple of weeks, we have to assume health. You can't assume that the Mets are going to have a disastrous type of injury ridden season. Um, like in 2017 again in 2018. Um, it just it can't get worse than it did last year, so it has to get better. Um, and I do think, yeah, I do think this team has the potential to make a run. I like the fact that there are some pieces that maybe the Mets are able to work with. Um, there were some rumors that Lagaris could be on the trading block. There were rumors about Brandon Nimmo getting a ton of attention from different teams. If this team is able to really make and stay in contention into, you know, July and the team has some momentum going into the trade deadline, I could see some pieces being moved to fortify maybe the starting rotation or fortify wherever it is the Mets feel like they need more help. And they have some major league pieces that they could get rid of, that they could trade, that they could use to acquire more, um, more talent, um, and and make a deep playoff run. I definitely think it's possible. Again, like you said, health is the biggest thing. So if they're not healthy, none of it matters. But again, you have to try to assume health because what else are you going to do? You know. Right. Um, another question from Osmar. He says, "Would you bring up Tim Tebow to the majors at some point this season? Would it be good or bad for the Mets?" Uh, uh, obviously I think it's going to be bad and no, I wouldn't bring him up, <laughs> but yeah, I think we, I, I, we covered this a lot during the earlier portion of this show where it's just like, it, it's mostly a gimmick. I don't think it's going to be good for anybody except maybe Tim Tebow. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like him playing in the major leagues is just a steroided version of Wilmer Flores playing in the outfield. If we see him in the if we see him in the outfield in September, something has either gone terribly wrong or incredibly right. Cuz if the Mets are in the thick of contention with nothing guaranteed, there's absolutely no way you bring Tim Tebow up and give him significant at-bats um at, excuse me, at any point in a postseason run. If it's a blowout one way or another, I don't care. Fine. But you cannot seriously consider putting Tebow on this team if the Mets are in the middle of a playoff hunt. That's just that would be ridiculous. And again, I hope that just doesn't happen because that would yeah. be it'd be bad. Um, this one comes from Shlomo Aminsky. He says, "Worst and best contracts this off season. Comparable signings on other teams factored in." Oh, interesting. What's That's- the worst and best signing the Mets have made this year? You know, I don't I don't know about uh, the best signing I would say. Here's the thing. The Mets have been 
uh, I've been hearing this on the MLB network a lot. They call the Mets sneaky this offseason. And yeah. I love that because I think that's true. Like the Mets actually played this pretty well. Like it, I think for the most part, it worked out in their favor. I don't think they overpaid for anybody. The only th- thing, like I said before, was that I wouldn't have given Vargas. I would have only given Vargas like one year. But uh, I think they got Bruce at a great deal. I think they waited out the Frazier situation pretty well. Um, you know, I'm not mad that they didn't sign like any bigger name. Cause like, I think about sometimes I, that Hosmer contract in San Diego, I mean, my God, like that's insane. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a pretty huge contract. Like You were really staking a lot on that. So I think, I don't know, honestly, like I can't think of a bad contract move they made this season. I'm pretty happy with all of it for the most part. I thought I wouldn't be, I was, I mean, remember like just a couple of weeks ago, we were like furious that nothing had happened yet, but I think honestly, it all worked out pretty much in their favor. I don't know. What do you think? Um, you know, it's it's hard to be able to determine the values of contracts right this second. I think, comparatively speaking, you're right. The Mets have gotten perceived value for a good amount of dollars. Um, the Jay Bruce deal, I think, is great. Thirty nine over three, that's fantastic. Um, Todd Frazier, seventeen over two, that's great. those are values, you know, Jay Bruce is, Jay Bruce is probably looking at signing a five, six year deal. And I wouldn't even be surprised if someone in Jay Bruce's camp told him that he could get 80 or 90 million. Yeah. Um, And he ends up with 13 a year. So I I think the market played right into the Mets hands. Um, As for worst contract, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of bringing back Jose Reyes. Oh, even oh my at, god! I totally forgot about that. Yeah, fuck that contract. <laughs> yeah, it's just not. I, I don't feel like spending. I, I forget how much. What did he get? Like two and a half million or something like that. Yes, I forget. Yeah. Um, and for a backup, like it's just it. I, I I don't know. It's it's one of those things that just throws me off. But again, he could have a huge impact on this team, much like Adrian Gonzalez could as well. Um, yeah, it's a one year, two million. Um, Adrian Gonzalez signed for the veteran minimum. So if he has anything left in the tank, any power, anything that works well with this team, that'll probably be the best contract out of all of them. Because if you're paying a guy the veteran minimum and he performs like an actual starter, you're, you know, you're making your money, uh, extremely, extremely worth it. So, yeah, I don't know. It ask me this question again. You know, we should make a note and try to remember this question at, like around the all-star break yeah, that's, and yeah. see what, what it'll be like, because I think they spent their money. Well, I'm happy with everything. I wish they would have done more, but based on what they did, I'm happy with it. Um, so yeah, that's, you know, that's, uh, we'll see. We'll see yeah. how the, how these deals break down once, once we have a little bit more time with these guys. But so yeah, that's um, that's it for our reader questions. So thank you guys for sending those in. As always, you guys can always tweet us at Rising Apple Blog. Um, send us only nice questions. Yeah, no more hitting on cola, please. That's, that's always it's always weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I think I think we've pretty much covered everything, right, Christina? I think so. I'm trying to think, yeah. if there's anything else that we haven't talked about. Do you have um, any um, like pre pre baseball season rituals? Like, I know you're not superstitious, but like, do you like? Because like, I always like to I always like to buy a new hat if I have the money for it. So I'm just like, yeah, hmm, that's a good idea. No, I don't. I don't think I have any. Um, no, yeah, I, I I don't think I have any specific rituals. It'll be interesting because spring training starts on Friday. Yeah which is freaking weird. Um, we actually have Mets baseball on Friday that we can watch. That's so cool. So that'll be, that'll be pretty exciting. Um, the Mets are in Port St. Lucie Friday against the Braves, Saturday against the Cardinals, Sunday against the Marlins um, at home. So those will all hopefully be on SNY um, I, yeah, or that, on WPX. That's what I was thinking. Oh, see, I don't have – in LA, I don't have those channels, but uh, I have to get MLB – dot tv which has been great but i think a couple of those games i only have the radio broadcast for and it's not the mets radio broadcast it's gonna be like atlanta's radio broadcast which is always fun uh gross yeah so gross and well their broadcasters just aren't very and like no offense to these guys i don't know how long they've been doing their job but like they to the point where when i was listening this happened last year when i was listening to the game broadcast i thought it cut out because they just weren't speaking and I was like, <laughs> did I lose the game? But no, they were just 
chilling in the moment, just waiting for a pitch to be thrown. Wow. Well, that's uh, that's a new one. <laughs> I don't th- I don't think I, ha- I heard that one, but I would have probably thought the same right? exact thing. So, yeah. But yeah, we have Mets baseball starting, you know, games don't count. It doesn't matter. I'm so excited about it. Friday the 23rd. Um, we are, I think if I'm mistaken, it's like 37 days from opening day. Yep. Which is also very exciting. And yeah, I think, you know, hopefully according to Sandy Alderson, no more moves are going to be made for this team. This is the roster. They're not looking to sign any players on minor league deals or anything like that. Uh, so this will be the roster that gets to spring training. We'll obviously be talking about the first few games next week and how everybody starts looking. You know, it'll be really nice to to finally see these guys in action. Yeah, some real highlights for everybody. <laughs> exactly. So, thank you guys for listening. As always, you guys can stay in t- touch with us. You can follow me on Twitter at jt underscore Turan. Uh, Christina, how can they get in touch with you? You can find me at at Pop Rocks and Cola. And yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah and again follow us on twitter at rising apple blog on facebook at facebook.com backslash rising apple fs and also on instagram on uh rising apple as well uh subscribe to our you know whatever you guys are listening to this whether it's soundcloud on itunes through the podcast app please make sure to subscribe and leave some nice reviews for us we'd really appreciate hearing all your feedback and comments about the podcast Um, Until next time, we'll be talking to you guys later. And as always, let's go Mets. Let's go Mets.